It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios, welcome Sandy, thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in DC is Fox News contributor, Sandy Rios. And you still like me or you, or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You all right? <laughs> I'm a musician, I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor, Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're gonna lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. We, we've all read your memorandum. We've also you heard you dissemble about your memorandum. I have, I have, and the record now shows, one of your U.S. attorneys sending out a letter about federal prosecution investigation and list in detail the federal statutes for which you could be prosecuted. That refers to Scott Smith, whose 15-year-old daughter was raped. She was raped in a bathroom by a boy wearing girls' clothes, and the Loudoun County School Board covered it up because it would have interfered with their transgendered policy during Pride Month. And that man, Scott Smith, because he went to a school board and tried to defend his daughter's rights, was condemned internationally. Do you apologize to Scott Smith and his 15-year-old daughter, Judge? Here, this testimony, your directive, your performance is shameful. Okay. That's not correct. Thank God you are not on the Supreme Court. You that should resign in disgrace, Judge. All right, so that was Tom Cotton yesterday. The Senate Judiciary Committee uh, put Merrick Garland to the paces, and I was happy to hear it. I listened to most of at least the Republicans on that committee, Ted Cruz, uh, you know, they had like seven or eight minutes apiece, and they really did uh, run him through the coals, and they should have. Uh, Josh Hawley actually had a picture of Scott Smith, the dad, being arrested at the school board meeting, and it's a, it's a terrible picture of him. He, he had described himself as being thrown to the ground and his clothes being torn off, and it's true. You see this horrendous picture, and he's got that big picture behind him as he's talking to Merrick Garland. Well, so why are they all—why is this—what's this all about? Just to remind you, because you know what? It is sometimes hard to remember all that's going on. We've had school board meetings around the country. Loudoun County has been the central story. Again, I'm telling you that's because it's close to the D.C. market, and there's more, there's more press, and there are more people involved in it, people that are involved in government whose kids are involved, and so it gets more press than what's happening in South Dakota. Right or wrong, that's what it is. But they're happening all over the country. And so Merrick Garland, out of the blue, on October the 4th, issued this letter. It's a memorandum. Uh, and he said, in recent months, there have been disturbing a, a disturbing spike in harassment, intimidation, and threats of violence against school administrators, board members, teachers, and staff who participate in the vital work of running our nation's public schools. While spirited debate about policy matters is protected— under the Constitution, that protection does not extend to threats of violence or efforts to intimidate individuals based on their views. Threats against public servants are not only illegal, they run counter to our nation's core values. Those who dedicate their time and energy to ensuring that our children receive a proper education in a safe environment deserve to be able to do their work without fear for their safety. The department takes these incidents seriously and is committed to using its authority and resources to discourage these threats, identify them when they occur, 
prosecute them when appropriate. In the coming days, the department will announce a series of measures designed to address the rise in criminal conduct directed toward school personnel. Coordination and partnership with local law enforcement is critical to implement these measures for the benefit of our nation's nearly 14,000 public school districts. To this end, I am directing the Federal Bureau of Investigation, working with each United States attorney to convene meetings with federal, state, local, tribal, and territorial leaders in each federal judicial district within 30 days of the issuance of this memorandum. These meetings will facilitate the discussion of strategies for addressing threats against school administrators, board members, teachers, and staff, and will open dedicated lines of communication for threat reporting, assessment, and response. I want you to hear that because uh, if you listen to the back and forth with Mayor Garland, you'd think he was just innocent just so innocent. And with this report that the, the Department of Justice issued, I think they had something like 22 incidents listed in school board meetings. And basically, they were, there were two incidents where there were arrests. And one of them, 50% of the uh, so-called violence or unruliness, was Scott Smith, the father of the girl who was raped by the boy in a skirt in a public school bathroom who went to then was sent to another school where he did the same thing to a second girl in Virginia. But Scott Smith went to the school board meeting upset, and uh, he was trying to make his voice heard. And, of course, he was very, very badly treated and arrested. And uh, actually, uh, it was inferred that he was a terrorist, a domestic terrorist. And so that's why everyone is so upset. That's not the only reason. I, school boards across the country um, I have been watching this for uh, 25 years, probably. I remember what happened when my son was a student in DuPage County. That's uh, used to be a beautiful, lovely, conservative county in the western suburbs of Chicago. And I remember when the school board went off the rails. And I remember parents by the hundreds coming to object to the literature that was being given to the kids to read. And I remember the school board smugly arrogantly denying parents any choice, and they, they ignored every wish that the parents had and actually punished the kids if they didn't sit to, to the curriculum. It's, so it's been going on for a long time, and it's just getting worse. So Tom Cotton was confronting him, and he's talking about what a shameful thing it is that he should resign. I also want to report something else that's come to my attention. The... Um, the uh, sorry, the segment, the uh, the subgroup of the judicial um, justice department that's handling this is the DOJ National Security Division. Well, why is that important? It's because that was the division that was used in the past several years to come after. Uh, it was pol it did political operations. It targeted President Donald Trump. Uh, it was the one that out of which those secret FISA applications were created and submitted to the FISA court. It was established by Attorney General Eric Holder and D, uh, uh, Deputy Attorney General Sally Yates. The DOJ Office of Inspector General, the internal self-checking mechanism to act on, uh, um, as a watchdog, was blocked from having any oversight into the DOJ National Security Division. And so the person in charge of this now, uh, well, we, you recognize uh, uh, Andrew Weissman. He was the one who led the um, the uh, witch hunt against President Trump and the Russia collusion, and Bruce Orr, who turns out to be a colluder himself, uh, connected to uh, uh, to uh, the the Russian <laughs> the the British agent who uh, was responsible for the Russian dossier. Uh, so it, th these are the people that are handling this, and so um, 
that's what I wanted to give you a background on. Now, why why is this so important? It's important because the FBI has no business investigating private citizens who are parents objecting to school board matters. If there's any kind of disturbance at a school board, local law enforcement are tasked with handling that. If the FBI can't, how could the FBI possibly go to school boards around the country and make sure parents are behaving? It is ludicrous, but it's also dangerous. And I wanted to just give you an example of how this is already getting out of hand. Uh, it came to my attention yesterday. There's a school board. We probably wouldn't have even heard about it. It's in Mankato, Minnesota. And so the uh, the chairman of the school board there, uh, what's her name? I'll find it in a second. Uh, they met uh, in uh, they they met in in October. I'm sorry. I'm jumping around here because I've got two different articles on this. But they met in October, and uh, the parent, I think there were 15 parents there, and they were upset, I think, about uh, mask mandates and other things like that. Uh, it, the meeting only lasted 45 minutes. Uh, the parents, there was nothing unruly about it. But the next time they convened, which is, I think, just this past week, uh, the uh, here we go. Here's her name. It's Jody Sapp. She's the chairman of the board for Mankato Area Public Schools. And this is what happened. I want you to hear it. This is uh, this is Jody Sapp interacting with a parent who's trying to speak at the meeting. Let's listen. I just want to remind everyone this is a business meeting of the school board. It is not a meeting that belongs to the public. Each speaker is asked to state his or her name and address for the record. Failure to do so will result in an individual not being allowed to speak. Oh, I thought we had a longer clip. Because uh, in the clip that I had in mind, the father, uh, so one of the dads is trying to speak. And she says, uh, your, your address? And he says, I don't feel comfortable giving my address. Because I, I know that there will be trouble if I give your address. You can't speak unless you give me your address. And so he gives his street address. That's not enough. We want the exact number. And so uh, it's, it's um, boy, it was a moment. She says, uh, open forum participants are prohibited from calling out or addressing any individual school board or school district staff member. She says, crowd noise or any sort of grandstanding during open forum, including applause, talking, hollering, or any outburst will result in open forum being closed. Further, beginning at the November 1st school board meeting, open forum participation will be limited to those individuals who wish to speak to an item on the board agenda. In other words, you can only talk about what they say you can talk about. That's how draconian things are becoming with school boards all over the country. And I want us to go out to California for a second because there was a story just this morning about the president of the California school district who, uh, I don't know what the parent said, the parent made some comment, a statement, and there was applause uh, she was criticizing, um, I forgot what she said, something about, she accused the board member of criticizing parents for voicing their legitimate concerns, and then she drew applause. This is the parent. Then she said, we are vocal because we are our children's biggest advocates, to which, when the parent finished speaking, Marlis Davidson, who's the board's president, was picked up on the hot mic saying, blank you. The worst kind of blank you you can imagine. Just let your imagine, go, imagination go there. So that's the, the treatment that people are getting. Uh, we had a school board, a mom, speak in another California school meeting. meeting. She's a uh, the wife of a former NFL player, and uh, she made an eloquent uh, statement. It's clip six. Let's listen. 
My name is Carrie Bowler. You see my shirt, it says Mama, and I'm a mama bear. And I know there's a lot of mama bears here tonight. And no one's going to mess with our cubs. That's right. Just so you know. Uh, I'm a resident of Encinitas, born and raised San Diegan. And tonight, I'm simply here to tell you to unmask our children. We're done begging. In fact, we're done asking for permission. That's right. We are going to be unmasking our children today. That's right. The pandemic is over. The parents are done. We're done asking you, public servants, for permission. We are done. You can all wear your masks. In fact, you can wear two masks and three masks. You can wear gloves. You can have plexiglass. You can do whatever you need to do to keep you safe. But we, the parents, believe we have a choice for our children. And I don't know who you think you are, that you think that you have more of a say than us, the parents, mm -hmm. and our doctors. Mm -hmm. I don't know who any of you think you are. I really don't. Sir. It ends today. That's right. We are declaring our freedom tonight. We do not consent to the lies, fear-mongering, and abuse. You all know it's abuse. Sir. This is tyrannical leadership, mm. poor leadership. Mm. None of you are willing to stand up for our children. This is why we are all here tonight, because we're fed up. We're done asking permission. We're done playing games. The pandemic is over. We are done, Andre. We're done. That's right. See the chairs that you're sitting in? We own those chairs. Mm -hmm. See these lights? We pay for the lights, mm -hmm. not you. And I'm going to let you know. Emily, you're up in 2022. Greg, you're up in 2022. Marla, you're up in 2022. And Jody, you're up in 2024. I know that myself, I would love to run for school board. And Woo! I know many, many mothers who are not going to replace all of you. So I'm going to promise you tonight that I will campaign against you. I will, I will fundraise against you. And I will make sure that none of you ever serve in a public space ever again. That's right. The time is up. All right, so it sounds like, you know, the FBI needs to intervene because those were threats, right? Those were threats. She's going to run for school board and challenge them. That's, that's a threat. Uh, by the way, the House Republicans are launching a probe into what happened. We know that the National School Board Association uh, was the one that sent a letter to the White House, and they colluded with the White House on writing that letter, reporting these terrible, awful, no-good parents who are complaining at these school board meetings. And so the Justice Department jumped in immediately to send out this letter, threatening to bring the FBI in on this situation. And then also Merrick Gardland's son-in-law and daughter are very involved in um, in, in uh, Loudoun County and also in critical race theory teaching and supporting school boards. So there is a little bit of a conflict of interest. That's the story. Be right back. Here are Tim and Riley Wildman for the AFA Foundation. Riley, what is your title? The director of AFA Foundation. One of the best ways you can have income for the rest of your life and know that uh, you will be supporting the Ministry of American Family Association is to... To give a gift to American Family Association and American Family Radio. Do you also deal with people who want to leave AFA in their wills? Yes, sir. That's exactly why they call. And that's why we also have another option besides a charitable gift annuity. People sometimes also call and do an outright gift or also leave us in their will. Now, when anyone calls in and asked to talk to you ladies. Will all of them talk in a Southern accent like you do? Yes, they will. <laughs> Call Riley Wildman at the AFA Foundation, 800-326-4543, extension 345, or visit afafoundation.net. 
This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Matthew Borman, Deputy Assistant Secretary of Commerce for Export Administration. His office works on the export of items for national security, foreign policy, and nonproliferation. Psalm 4.8 reminds us of the peace and safety of the Lord. In peace I will lie down and sleep. For you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Matthew Borman as he works on behalf of national security for our country. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starn. Stand by for news and commentary next. This fall, Liberty University is celebrating 50 years of training champions for Christ. Since 1971, Liberty has been training Christ-centered men and women with the values, knowledge, and skills essential for impacting the world, a vision that continues today. The story of Liberty University is one of unwavering faith, and we invite you to be part of the next chapter. With more than 700 programs online and on campus, Liberty can help you turn your vision into a future you can be proud of. Visit liberty.edu to learn more. Again, that's liberty.edu. New York hospitals are bracing for a massive shortage in medical professionals. A vaccine mandate is in effect. All doctors, nurses, and other medical workers must be vaccinated. The mandate covers all hospitals and nursing homes. Those who do not comply face termination. There was just one flaw, though, in the state's government mandate. They did not anticipate so many workers refusing to obey. As many as 10% of the workforce has yet to be vaccinated, and some hospitals have already had to cut services. Erie County Medical Center has suspended elective inpatient surgery. Lewis County General Hospital stopped delivering babies after dozens of staff members quit their jobs. Governor Kathy Hochul says she may consider calling up the National Guard to fill the gap, but even that may not be enough. I suspect this will be the case around the country as millions of Americans rise up. It's not about the vaccine, it's about freedom. I'm Todd Starnes. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Vaccination or termination. Thousands of Mayo Clinic employees risk losing their jobs if they remain unvaccinated for COVID-19. That's according to an internal employee memo sent to unvaccinated employees yesterday. Mayo Clinic has confirmed to us that it is now mandating all of its staff to be vaccinated by the start of next year or they will be let go. More than 8,000 employees have until January 3rd to roll up their sleeves. The memo, sent Wednesday to the more than 8,000 unvaccinated employees, says it's to protect everyone's safety and in anticipation of federal requirements. And it's not a decision that Mayo Clinic takes lightly. Mayo employees who wish to be kept anonymous in fear of losing their jobs hear this news with a variety of emotions. One staffer says, quote, as a remote employee who never has contact with patients or even co-workers, I feel this is unfair, end quote. Others believe Mayo is digging themselves in a hole that will be hard to get out of. If they think they're five to six nurses short now, 
we're going to do when people do walk. And there will be people that will walk at the end of December that will walk. What are they going to do if they're already having to pay double time because they don't have enough staff to work? What are they going to do when that number of people walk? And face the dilemma to be vaccinated. All right, so Barrett, this could possibly leave mail with a lot of job openings in the midst of a labor shortage already. How many openings are we seeing right now here in Rochester? Well, Tom, I spent some time looking at Mayo Clinic's job postings for its Rochester location today. There are more than 1,000 job openings at this time. All right. Mayo Clinic, 8,000 people now uh, are, have to make a decision about getting this shot. You know, the thing about Mayo, some of you may, may not know, Mayo is like one of the oldest, most respected medical uh, entities in the United States. There's actually a great documentary about the foundings of Mayo Clinic on uh, on uh, net, I think it's on Netflix, either Netflix or Amazon. Uh, and it was founded by some brothers, the Mayo brothers, and they were just. Uh, I it's never clear to me if they were. I know they were affiliated with Christian Ministries. In fact, it was a group of nuns who worked with them, and certainly their approach to medicine has been a very, uh, um, shall we say, old style. Doctors who are devoted to the care of their patients, who are actually trying to save lives. Uh, I w my husband and I know a lot about this because we've been part of Mayo Clinic family as uh, recipients of their great care for probably 11 years. Uh, so, um, it, but they've been going through transition. I know that. Uh, and they've got, they're based in Minnesota. That's the largest clinic in Rochester. And they have a lot of, um, shall we say, woke people who've infiltrated the ranks and I could tell you personal stories about some of our experiences with them. And so now we have this clash of cultures because a lot of the people that are part of the Mayo Clinic staff are just the finest people ever, anywhere. Uh, they have you know, clinics in Phoenix and Jacksonville, Florida, and one in uh, Rochester. And uh, so you've got all these people that are you know, dedicated to uh, the truth. And I, didn't, I don't think we got to play. They're, they're out marching. We had audio from that. They're marching past the clinic, uh, lots of them. You know, we're, we're not going to do this. And you have to know that healthcare workers are seeing horrendous things. I, ha I watched an audio of a nurse yesterday talk about all the adverse reactions that they're seeing uh, where she is. And she says, we're, we're not, this, we're, and she works in the COVID unit. Uh, and then we have uh, first responders who are saying, we, we're seeing too many people who have had adverse reactions to this vaccine that were called out to to serve them in an emergency capacity. And so they're revolting against this too. Uh, and pilots, you know, have heard about adverse reactions on pilots who can no longer fly because of the various um, reactions they've had. Hey, this is Austin French. I believe that with God, all things are possible, even freedom from addiction. I grew up in a single parent household because my father went to prison for selling narcotics and eventually the addiction took me down. My dad got out of prison and he looked at me and said he never wanted me to turn out like him and that I was better than this. 
and now at Teen Challenge, I found God and I've been surrounded by love and support that I've never been surrounded with. And now I know what a healthy lifestyle and a healthy family dynamic is. And I actually have hope for the future for us. If you or someone you know is struggling with addiction, Adult and Teen Challenge can help. There are hundreds of locations across the country that offer a variety of programs. And you can learn more at 855-END-ADDICTION or teenchallengeusa.org. You're listening to American Family Radio. I feel so hopeless. Hopeless. Is there any hope? I I just feel like there's no hope at all. Is there any hope? Get hope. Nothing causes me to lose hope like disappointment. That's TWR President Lauren Libby. Something I'd been counting on didn't happen. A relationship goes south. Trust lost in someone or something I had counted upon. When disappointment strikes, my frame of reference gets very, very short. Everything focuses on the short-term disappointment. What's the cure? Realizing that better things are ahead. Jesus said he would never fail or forsake us. He promised to be with us no matter the circumstances. He has our best interests at heart, and he always offers a brighter long-term future. Disappointed? Lost hope? Tell Jesus and see your hope quotient rise. Need more hope? We have resources waiting for you, including a free devotional. You'll find them at GetHopeRadio.com. That's GetHopeRadio.com. Hi, I'm Steve Tiber with 8 Days of Hope. 8 Days of Hope exists to love and serve those in need. Over the past 15 years, over 40,000 volunteers have helped 7,000 families rebuild their homes for free after natural disasters. We've also renovated and rebuilt facilities to bring hope and healing to those rescued from sex trafficking. Our rapid response ministry is busier than ever. With 40 deployments over the last four years, we've been able to minister to so many when it mattered most. It's completely free to serve with us. We provide your food and lodging when you volunteer. There's countless opportunities for any skill set and any skill level. We spend multiple weeks with those that have lost so much by cutting trees, tarping roofs, mucking out houses, and so much more. Consider joining us on our next outreach. You will never be the same. For more information about 8 Days of Hope, please go to 8daysofhope.com. That's 8daysofhope.com. All right, you guys. (laughs) I'm back with you by phone. We don't know what's going on, but uh, you know uh, the mind does wonder about this, but let's just talk about content while we still can. I started to tell you about In-N-Out Burger in California. Uh, They have been shut down in several locations because they're basically saying, uh, we're not going to be, we're not going to play this game because they want the restaurants out there to check people's vaccination status and show ID before they can even eat. And so their their legal officer, Arnie Winsinger, said the reason for the closure is that In-N-Out Associates were not actively demanding vaccine documentation and photo identification from each dine-in customer before serving them. And um, he said, we refuse to become the vaccination police for any government. It is unreasonable, invasive, and unsafe to force our restaurant associates to segregate customers into those who may be served and those who may not, whether based on the documentation they carry or any other reason. He said, we don't agree with any government dictate that forces a private company to discriminate against customers who choose to patronize their visit. So now what's happening is top Florida officials are pleading with In-N-Out Burger to move uh, In-N-Out Burger to Florida. They say, we have a good, we have a great tax base and we'd love to have you. So uh, that's what's happening with that. 
Now, meanwhile, on the Hill, there are congressmen in the House and also in the Senate that are trying to stop these mandates. And you need, I just want you guys to know that some of you are really struggling with this. And so um, there is a federal regulation being prepared, to stop, a federal regulation right now. It isn't official yet that if you have a company with over 100 employees, they must be vaccinated. It's all just talk. There's no actual rule about that. That's what's so ironic. And all these companies are just folding. Uh, yeah, just folding. Just no courage. The In-N-Out Burger is... Uh, I wish there were an In-N-Out Burger near me. I'd be going every day. But um, there are more than... Um, there are all kinds of people out of jobs or at risk of their jobs right now. Senator Marsha Blackburn has introduced a Keeping Our COVID-19 Heroes Employed Act. And this is about uh, essential workers. Liberty Council is working, of course, with a lot of flight attendants and a lot of military people to try to stop them from being forced to be vaccinated. And there's other co-sponsors of this bill, but I'm, I'm not going to go into that right now because I have a lot of other things to tell you. So that's that story. Uh, by the way, in New York City, the police are, you know, you know, they've been uh, protesting in the, by droves, marching over Brooklyn Bridge, trying to stop this. They are um, they have to have at least one vaccination, according to their rulers, uh, by five o'clock tomorrow. That's Friday. And then starting Monday, those that don't get vaccinated or receive an exemption will be placed on unpaid leave. There are also reports of garbage not being picked up in southern Brooklyn and Staten Island. And so the sanitation workers are also letting their voices be heard. But the bad news is that a judge on Staten Island on Wednesday, that's yesterday, rejected a motion by the New York City Police Union to block a city order requiring nearly all municipal workers to be vaccinated by the end of the week. So they have lost at least in that court. Perhaps they, I'm sure they will appeal and we'll see what's going to happen from that. Meanwhile, you know that um, our children are there. What they're doing is they're leading to forced vaccinations of our children. I listened to almost all of that FDA panels, the doctors trying to decide uh, if uh, they should allow children to be vaccinated. I found it fascinating. Uh, what fascinated me without going into great detail here is that there really was no discussion. They each just made, each just made statements. I don't know how you can get to the bottom of something so prickly without challenging each other back and forth, but they did not do that. And they kept complimenting one another on how, how, how bright these remarks were, how interesting and informative. And you could tell that uh, of that panel, I think there were something like 16 of them, 17 maybe, they, uh, they, many of them had real hesitations about authorizing a vaccination for children when the, the chances of children dying from COVID are so slim. Uh, but nevertheless, they voted to do it, I think 100%. Now it has to go to, I believe it's the, uh, it's, uh, I believe it's the FDA, to the, to the higher-ups to decide, but we all know what they're going to decide, don't we? We're pretty sure what they're going, going to decide. By the way, Pfizer is so confident about it, they've already been packaging the vaccine for kids. They've got cute little colors and characters. Uh, they spent all that money doing that. I guess they kind of have confidence that somehow this is going to happen. Um, let's see, just some other... Uh, oh, I want you to hear Dr. Fauci. He had some <laughs> He had some interesting things to say. He always is so full of wisdom. Uh, let's listen to what Dr. Fauci had to say about what's happening with this new vi- strain of the COVID virus, clip three. 
Because we know we can deal with the Delta variant really quite well. My concern is that if we allow there to be smoldering infection into the fall and into the winter, because those 93 million people are not getting vaccinated for the most part, my concern would be you may allow a variant that we haven't even recognized yet to come along and, in fact, be better at transmitting and more serious than the Delta. We haven't seen that yet. So rather than be worrying about these others that are around, let's make sure we don't let new ones come in. Well, our unvaccinated people, the reason we're seeing these new strains, and will an increase in vaccinations mitigate the virus morphine in multiple ways? Uh, well, that's a good one because the answer is short. Yes. <laughs> okay. That's all you need to say. So, in other words, please get back so vaccinated. So, that's Dr. Fauci with Katie Couric, who's only happy to let him misstate what's actually happening. I have in my hands a report that uh, in Sweden and in the UK, uh, the report is that 70% of the COVID deaths uh, in September were from fully vaccinated or were, were with fully vaccinated persons, fully vaccinated persons. Uh, it's just not true. And that reminds me then I should tell this next story. Let's do this, uh, Devin. Let's carry the break just a tiny bit just to get this story in, please. This is uh, an FBI agent from uh, Arizona, 45 years old who died less than 24 hours after receiving the Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine. His name is Jeffrey Young. He got the shot on April the 17th, and within hours he had several symptoms, including a headache and nausea. His wife spoke out, I believe, in an Instagram post, and I wanted you to hear what she had to say. Let's listen. My husband very much so believed in freedom so much that he went to work every day to support our freedoms and to fight for our freedoms. And you know what? He believed in, he trusted science. He went and got his shot. He did before he had to, before it was told that you have to go get this. He did, okay? So he took his shot, he got it. His first one, within a couple hours, he didn't feel well. Went to sleep that night with a really, really bad headache. Told me he was fine, it was just a headache. I rubbed his feet, I gave him a wet washcloth, filled his water, you know, checked on him a couple times when I heard him wrestling, rustling around. He assured me he was fine, it was just a headache, a symptom of the shot, or a side effect of the shot. Okay, about five hours later, after the last time I talked to him, I found him blue and dead in our bed with his arm hanging off the side of the bed. Okay. Medical examiner has ruled it to be a coincidence, purely a coincidence. If we're told we have to do this, our freedoms are ripped from us. And you know what? Maybe some people who are leery of going and getting the shot, maybe it's because they know my husband. 
Maybe it's because they know one of the, I think it's what, 10,000 people right now that have died or been injured from the shots. So please, before you stand there with your hand on your hip, saying, I just don't understand why everybody just won't give their arm up for the shot. Think about the other people around you, please. That was Ona Young. She's the wife of Jeffrey Young. Okay, you can run the music, Devin. Uh, he was an FBI special agent, 45 years old, who died less than 24 hours after receiving his Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine. It's a sad story. It, it is really sad, and it's really uh, not unusual, not uncommon, and that's why we're fighting back. That's why we're fighting back. That's why so many medical workers are not down with this. That's why so many first responders are not down with this. That's why we have to fight back. And so uh, we'll talk about this when we return. I'm hoping we've been connected to the studio and I can come back, you know, she can hear me better. (laughs) So we'll take this break and then I'll be right back. Thank you for listening and being patient with us. We'll be right back. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. For thousands of years, the book of Proverbs has provided practical wisdom for everyday struggles in life. And God's wisdom never goes out of date. This week on Pathway to Victory, Dr. Robert Jeffress concludes his series on the Solomon Secrets with a message on responding to criticism, dealing with anger, and facing your fears. Listen all this week to Pathway to Victory with Dr. Robert Jeffress. Weekday mornings at 6 Central on American Family Radio. This is Jan Markell, and next on Understanding the Times Radio, I play a conference message from the Behold He Comes Prophecy Conference last month at Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills, California. I think you will appreciate the unique message given by Amir Sarfati in light of the current events playing out in our world today. That's next on Understanding the Times Radio. Saturday afternoon at 1 Central and Sunday afternoon at noon Central on American Family Radio. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. These words were shared between Cleopas and his companion on the seven-mile walk from Jerusalem to Emmaus as Jesus, in resurrected form, used the Hebrew scriptures to reveal himself to them as the Messiah. There are at least 109 distinct biblical prophecies the Messiah had to fulfill. The mathematical probability of such a feat occurring is astoundingly absurd, yet that absurdity is satisfied in Jesus, the Messiah. Come, let us adore Him. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner. For more, from Abraham Hamilton III, Public Policy Analyst for the American Family Association. When this young mom came into a preborn clinic, she was confused with nowhere to turn. After meeting with the preborn counselors and meeting her baby on ultrasound, she chose life. If I had never saw the ultrasound, it would have been a totally different picture. And I think about this when I look at my daughter, I start tearing up. She will never be here. 
The Ministry of Preborn is there for moms in crisis, offering love, support, and free ultrasounds. When a mother meets her baby on ultrasound and hears their heartbeat, she'll choose life 80% of the time. Will you join Preborn in the cause for life? To find out more, go to preborn.com. That's preborn.com. Or dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 and baby. Your love can save a life. All gifts are tax deductible. This is Frank Afney with the Secure Freedom Minute. There's a dirty not-so-little secret about what the Chinese Communist Party is up to. How's it paying for things like an illegal biological warfare program that brought us COVID-19? Economic warfare that's made us dependent on Beijing's supply chains? A global colonial Belt and Road Initiative? And a massive military buildup? The answer is the CCP is using our money. Notably, we've lately had confirmed that Dr. Anthony Fauci has treasonously given China your taxpayer dollars to pay for enhancements to diseases intended to kill us including one that has taken over 750,000 American lives already. Vastly more money, however, probably including some of yours, has been invested in the CCP by globalist Wall Street firms like Larry Fink's BlackRock. A new public interest campaign highlights the danger of such companies enabling our mortal enemy. Learn more at BlackRockLovesChina.com. This is Frank Gaffney. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Okay, Sandy Rios, back with you. We're back. We're really back. That's good, huh? Okay, a couple of things, and I do want to open the phone lines. I'm sure you have lots to say, and I always enjoy what you have to say, even if it is a short time we have together. Our phone number is 888 888- 589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. A couple of things quickly, uh, quickly, but hopefully clearly. One, you know, Dr. Fauci and the whole medical establishment is corrupt. I was talking to a doctor just two days ago, and he said to me, never in his entire um, t- career as a doctor, and he's been practicing for a long time, has he ever seen a case where patients and people know more about COVID and what's happening than their doctors and nurses in the medical establishment. And I think that's true. And uh, I guess the reason, as I'm collecting reasons here, it's uh, that they they are often uh, not reading. They're taking the word of the CDC and the FDA uh, and not really reading the literature themselves. Plus, it's their default mode. They've, they've grown up thinking that the CDC and the F, uh, the F, um, yeah, whatever it's called, FDA, are the gold standard. And it's very hard to shake loose from that. And I always try to say this, and you've heard me say this to people that have called in, uh, the FBI is now corrupt. The Justice Department is now corrupt. Congress is now corrupt. Is there any reason why you think the National Institutes for Health or the FDA or the CDC would not be corrupt? Of course they are. Of course they are, and it's our medical community that hasn't quite figured that out, or they've become corrupt themselves. And I'm going to give you just an example quickly. Someone sent me a picture. The CDC is now advertising, I guess, uh, it's a certain kind of, it's a Tdap vaccine. I don't know what that is, uh, but they're trying to get, uh, it's something to do with pregnancy, and uh, their illustration and their encouragement to get this Tdap vaccine is two lesbians sitting on a couch. One is pregnant. Uh, She is sitting uh, between the legs 
of uh, the other lesbian who has her hand around her hands, her arms around her, holding onto her stomach. It's their baby, of course. Their baby, you know, lesbians can get, you know, they can have babies together if they get a sperm donor. And so uh, don't think for a minute that the CDC and the others are not politicized. They're completely political. This is who you're trusting. Uh, Those of you in the medical community, remember, this is who you're trusting uh, to to give you information. And I want to say one more thing. I I mentioned this yesterday, but I have this to me is probably the most important story I've discovered uh, recently on, on COVID. And that's saying something. This is in the Gateway Pundit. And it's a story about how the National Institutes for Health under Dr. Fauci experimented on children who were AIDS orphans living in an orphanage. They experimented with AIDS drugs that made them sick, that made them die. The kids would beg not to be given it as they grew up. They begged. They knew that this is making them sick. They were having trouble in school. It made them feel terrible. But when they resisted and refused, they were given feeding tubes. They were forced to take the medication through feeding tubes. And there's more to say about that story. We'll put it on our Facebook page, but this is what I recommend. Go to Gateway Pundit. Go to the, go to the, link, the actual outlet because you know you won't be able they'll take it down from my Facebook page. And it's called, It Wasn't Just Beagles and Monkeys. Fauci's NIH also funded medical experiments on AIDS orphans in New York City. It will turn your stomach. And again, it's the reason why I often call him Dr. Mengele. Remember that he made his bones on AIDS research. He was such a champion for all that he discovered on, you know, AIDS medications. Well, he did it on the backs of these poor children. Many of them, if you care that they're black, if somehow that means more to you, I care about children of every color. Uh, but many of them were black, black babies. Yeah, so thank you, Dr. Fauci. That was good. So now he wants to vaccinate your children. You better think twice. You'd better think twice. All right, our phone number is 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. Let's go to Chandra in Texas. Good morning, Chandra. Can you Good morning, me? Chandra. Yes, yes, ma'am. Can you hear me okay? Uh, sure, can do. How are you? I'm doing good, thank you. I just wanted to make a comment. I work for an entity in Texas, and I was let go because I was treating patients for COVID with ivermectin, as well as just Dithromax and prednisone. And I just wanted you to know, I mean, the other, and other people that are out there, the medical providers that won't let them treat with ivermectin, if you go to the NIH website and, and Google on there or do a search for how do they treat COVID, ivermectin is their second treatment for COVID just below what they're saying to treat for COVID with their um, antiviral. So, I mean, that should help people, you know, to be able to stand up for, for what they know, and that was done in July. Did you try that, Chandra? Did you try to show your employee that information? Actually, I was let go before I found out about that. I found out about that uh, just last week when I was listening to the Dr. Arvis show. You know, Chandra, I, it seems to me I would I would like to encourage you to contact. There's got to be. I know, in fact, there is a doctor. Oh, I don't have it near me. There's a doc. There are there are. I mean, an attorney who's representing people that are suing over this. And um, um, I guess the the best thing I can tell you in sh- uh, this trying from my own memory, Liberty Council Matt Staver is really representing a lot of people like you. 
Uh, so I would start there, and perhaps he can refer you to someone even in Texas who's doing the same thing. This is this should not be this. It should not be this way. It just should not. And so um, should not. Yeah, you're right. I also though I have actually started my own telemedicine business um, where I'm doing acute or primary care in acute care, and I am actually treating COVID patients through that also. So I wow. think it's something that I I feel very strongly about to do that. And it's, I mean, I don't know if I can tell you the name of it, but I mean, I just wanted to let you know there's other people that are still trying to help people out there and that are standing for what is right. It's oh, I, listen, I know that that's true. Chandra, if you want to give the uh, address, we would happy happy to do that, but I don't know if it would get you in trouble. Right. I mean, and maybe I could do it um, behind the lines, and that's just something you can talk about later. Okay. All right. That sounds good. All right, Chandra, God bless you. Hey, listen, you're, you're my kind of gal. So God bless you, and we'll we'll talk to talk soon. You take care. Let's go to uh, uh, let's go to Cindy in Florida. Good morning, Cindy. Hi, Sandy. It's so good to talk to you. I love your show, thank and you. I love you. Um, <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for taking my call. Um, I had COVID back in January, and um, I had a bad case, pretty bad case. Got no treatment from my doctor none zero um and um so i went it went on for like three weeks and um i suffered uh, other things that came about from having the covid like a urinary tract infection yeast infection but my doctor didn't care about any of that um so when i got over it and i called him and talked to him i said i would like to get checked for my antibodies he said Oh, no, just go get the shot. I said, well, I just talked to the nurse. I said, why can't I get an order to go get my antibodies tested? Because I had COVID. Well, let CDC says blah, blah, blah. I said, I don't really care about what they have to say. Anyway, long story short, uh, my husband and I both got a letter from our doctor saying that he, we were no longer part of his practice and that we were dis being dismissed uh so um you know what cindy you know you know now right you uh, uh, this is how i feel about it personally i have just gotten a new doctor because i am not going to go to a doctor that is doing that that is letting people die and suffer i wouldn't trust them i would not trust them with my children i wouldn't trust them with my health care however inconvenient it is let me just tell i'm going to tell you as i tell uh, other people, because people are asking me this all the time. Let me repeat. Let me repeat. Go to myfreedoctor.com, myfreedoctor.com. Uh, they will give you free consultation for a. They they ask for a donation, or they you can give a donation if you can't afford it. You don't do that, but they will link you with someone who could be your doctor. Also, still uh, frontline doctors is still active. I think they're back up and running. Frontline doctors, and then. Um, Oh, there's a third one, um, which I can't remember. Yeah, but anyway, MyFreeDoctor.com and Frontline Doctors are still very active, and that's how you can find medication. Uh, you can find uh, ivermectin if you're sick, like Cindy's describing. Uh, if you know someone that's sick, I am sick myself. I am sick of hearing about people dying unnecessarily. And uh, we've got to fight this, and we are fighting it. People like Chandra and Cindy... And lots of people are, uh, the doctor that I've chosen to go to is wonderful. 
uh, and we're going to choose to fight this. Uh, we're going to protect and defend the doctors that are stepping out our, and are being threatened with losing their licenses, being not being able to practice in hospitals. This is serious business. We all know that. Uh, and so it's time to fight. That's all I can say. It's just time to fight. And so, Cindy, thanks for calling. I hope that some of that helped a little bit. Let's go to Oregon and talk to Judy. Good morning, Judy. Yes, good morning, Sandy. This is Judy from Southern Oregon. And along this uh, this uh, COVID scare pandemic, um, I just want to let you know what's, what's happening. I don't know if it's in other counties, too, but uh, they've closed down our government offices. I mean, can't go. I always go to county meetings, you know, public meetings. We can use that mic that belongs to me that I paid for. And going to, uh, we have two different school districts, seven, and we have three River school districts. And they have closed down, Sandy, uh, and they do everything on Zoom. And, you know, they can close you off on Zoom. And Zoom is not effective. We've been able over the years with being active in, in education here over many years to go before those and look at those educators and look at those school board members and share and share information that you're sharing. But because of people like me, I know they're using the COVID to say we can't open yet. We have the schools opening. We have grocery stores opening. So I've got to find a clever way to say you have to open. If I have to go to the media or the come some conservative radio stations here, they must open their buildings to us that we pay for. But that's where we're at right now. They closed it to people, activists like us, Sandy. It's very disgusting. It is disgusting, and that's just another way of controlling you. You know that. That's like the like I played that clip of the uh, school board uh, chairman in Minnesota who is saying, now you can't speak. You can't speak, and you cannot call anyone on this panel out by name, and you can't say anything unless you give your home address, the street and the number, all of it. It's intimidation, and they've gotten away with it now for decades. And uh, it, you know what? But their time is up. I'm with the mother in California who said, that's it. No more. We've had it. We're putting you on notice. You're not going to do that to us anymore. And Judy, I don't know what that means for you, but I have a feeling you're going to figure that out. And so uh, God bless you out there in Oregon, uh, swinging away in a very difficult environment. Thank you for doing that. All right. So for all the rest of you, I'm sorry. You know, I can never get to all the calls. I can never get to all the email, but I I am trying. And um, just pray. Pray that God will give us the strength and the courage, uh, the wisdom. Uh, to know when to fight and when not to fight, uh, to know when to speak up and when to be silent, to use words that are life-giving but truthful and powerful. Those are my prayers, and I pray that for you too. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.